You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another fun-filled edition of The Nerd Table. As always, I am Chris, joined by Dan. Hey. And Eric. Ha-ha, how's it going? And Mickey. <laughs> the nope. rest of an evil <laughs> Nobody does a more evil impression of Mickey than our friend Ellis. Well, I don't know about evil, but definitely horny. Well, Ellis is a different kind of cat. So, as you guys have noticed, the Nerd Table is no longer operating on a weekly schedule. Um, most of that is on me. Been dealing with a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but we're going to keep this going because we're still having fun doing it. Um, Eric and I have our Sunday night show that people have been enjoying. Dan and I keep doing Trivia Night and Sporkle Quizzes, which we've been having fun with. Eric's got Sick Minds of Matt and Eric going on. I've got the streams. So there's been a lot going on behind the scenes, not just personal stuff either. So we thank you guys for continuing to tune in, enjoying the stuff that we put out, and continuing to support us. means a lot. Speaking of support, I sold my first t-shirt at our Shop CKCC store. Nice. So to there. a patron, I'm assuming. Of course, it was a patron. Of course. But I still appreciate them all the same. I'm not going to say who it was because that's customer confidentiality. But I do Thanks, know who Jeff. it was. Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, if you guys are interested, the t-shirt store will be linked in the description. And if these shirts are going to sell, then that encourages me to put some more shirts out there. So I'll start working on some new designs and get some shirts out there. And then once you have your new shirt, head on over to emersoncotton.intelletravel.com and book a vacation to wear that shirt on. We should do a, uh, a shirt on, shirt off challenge. You buy a shirt, you could take a picture of it with the shirt on. And never mind about where, the second part. Where are you going with that? Yeah, no. The other part would get Stop. us arrested. Don't, don't fucking do that. Never mind. Stop. <laughs> just, just with the shirt on. St- just Stop. We're going to stop right there. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways. uh, Unless you're over 18, in which case you can can send those photos. (laughs) All right. This this is how I I, I attempt to break Chris every once in a while. Every once in a while. Yeah. uh, Today's going to be one of those episodes. No, this is a weekly thing, and you know it. (laughs) This is not once in a while, Eric. It has never been once in a while. Any chance I get that I that I can, I, I will take it. All right. I appreciate that. Um, the streams have been going really well. I'm playing through the entire Super Nintendo library. I've played a lot of crap, as Dan can attest to. Especially this last episode. I don't know. ActRaiser was fun. I was having fun playing that. Yeah, there was one good game. And yeah. we shouldn't have gotten to it in a normal week. 
Yeah. Uh, just based on how the titles go, to include every game in the title, I will no longer be doing more than five games per stream. That will be the official cut at this point. I was just like, screw Why five? Because I can't fit more than five titles in a YouTube video, and I want to make sure that the games are in the titles. Well, that's fair. I'd have to like really squeeze it down, have no spaces. It was just it was just going to be obnoxious, and I couldn't actually do it. So, but uh, but yeah, uh, the streams have been going well, and I'm looking forward to playing some more games. We're doing operating currently on a Thursday night schedule, by the way. Thursday at 7 p.m., because that used to be Dan's D&D night. That got moved to Wednesdays, which was going to be the stream night. So we just switched it. Don't worry, because before too long, it'll switch to Wednesday. <laughs> it'll be back on Wednesdays, exactly. Yeah, I play D&D with a bunch of teachers, so they're, you know, they're working summer hours. That works. And soon, they'll be back at school. Well, that works. Hey, as long as things are working out well, that's all I really care about. So we're going to continue our tradition here. This is our 96th episode. We're going to talk about the year 1996. We've got four more of these to do, and then we're going to hit our 100th episode. No real plan for the 100th episode, except we're probably going to do it live. So that'll be fun. And that will be on Twitch, by the way. Twitch.tv slash online. That will be where we're going to do the live episode. So just letting y'all know, if you want to participate, that's how you're going to participate. Okie doke. Everybody got that? We'll announce a date and time in the Facebook group and on the social medias and everything. So once we know, you will know as well. But yes, the year was 1996. A lot of stuff happened. And Dan's going to take us through. There's a presidential election. And a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror to go with it. There was a... Was that the I voted for Kodos year? Yep. That was Clinton and Dole. Awesome. Also, that year, the Atlanta Olympics, the first Olympics where I remember almost, I remember a lot. And the girls won the gymnastics with Carrie Strug with a broken freaking ankle. Also at 96 Olympics, Kurt Angle won. <laughs> wrestling with a broken freaking neck they just did the Kurt Angle biography on A&E good old Kurt Angle alright I know who he is <laughs> <laughs> it's fun when Eric knows some wrestling stuff for our purposes we're looking at so did he okay was he wrestling while doing the Olympic stuff, or did he start wrestling after the Olympic stuff? Sure. He got signed as a direct result of his Olympic prowess. Okay. Because pretty much once you win gold at the Olympics as a, as a freestyle wrestler, there's nothing... Like most things at the Olympics, there ain't much to do after you get a gold medal at the Olympics. Got a gold medal, now what? In I don't Enjoy some Cheerios, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there isn't like a professional league of, or that we know of. I mean, maybe there is like a professional amateur style wrestling. Probably. But anyway, 
We're looking at movies from 1996. Uh, there are many. This was a good year we, for movies, I think. We're going to start. Number five highest grossing movie in the United States was Ransom. Hmm. Never seen it. Mel Gibson? Well, it's all big, big ones after that from the year. Because we got Jerry Maguire. I have seen that. Seen a couple of, I saw it in school. <laughs> That's one because of those got, movies that like most people don't even know what it's about. They just know the line. Everybody knows Show Me the Money, but I bet you a lot of people can't tell you what Jerry Maguire is actually about. About that money. <laughs> and then you complete me? Yeah. I honestly don't remember. They didn't want Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise hadn't done many funny movies. I think they wanted Tom Hanks, actually, but he couldn't do it. You're our second Tom choice. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) It's a number three movie. movie. Guess what? Tom Cruise added again. It's the first Mission Impossible movie. The only Mission Impossible movie I have seen. I recommend all of the rest of them except for two. <laughs> so you might as well just watch it, get it over with, and then move on to all the rest of them. <laughs> I've only seen the first two. Do the other ones, like, are they, like, direct sequels? Are they remakes to them? Like, what, what, where are they? They're more missions. All more missions. Just more missions? Even more missions. But yeah. even more impossible. Did you see the thing? It was like, I'm starting to think that the missions are actually possible. Anyway, that one's good. Number two, we're headed into some of blockbuster territory as we get Twister. This is one of my ultimate guilty pleasure movies because this movie is fun, but it also pisses me off. Because I'm a tornado enthusiast and this movie gets lots of stuff wrong. And actually tries to vilify tornadoes, which are just acts of nature. And yes, they are dangerous, but like this movie, it basically has the tornadoes roaring, chasing, and seeking revenge. Like the freaking shark in Jaws that has like a psychic connection to the Brody family. But just time, it's personal. It's a fun movie with lots of fun quotes and scenes in it. So, like, I hate it and I also love it. It's a love hate relationship with this movie. You know what the best part of the movie is? Bill Paxton being Bill Paxton. <laughs> we had a we had a running joke, uh, me and my buddy Mark at Universal, where we determined that every single attraction in Central Florida would be infinitely better if you connected it with Bill Paxton as part of the attraction. And among some of the fun that we had included, is this haunted room actually stretching or is it the Paxton? Deliver the finger of God. So, every ride better with Bill Paxton. Also, Twister attraction, really lame. Because you don't get to sit down. But it was nice air conditioning. Any 
Anybody else want to fill in on Twister, or are we good? I mean, <laughs> is that the same cow? <laughs> I got to go. We got cows. Number one movie of the year was in theaters approximately six months, but I still didn't get to see it until I got it on VHS on Christmas. And that is Independence Day. Well, there's no Independence Day. No doubt that was the number one film of freaking 96. Independence Day was huge when it came out. That was like, it legit was in theaters. Like, it came out in the summer and it was like still in theaters. And I was like a month into my school year. I have the uh, extended edition, and I actually really like that. There's a couple of added scenes, including where they actually go into the spaceship for the first time and play with it at Area 51. Just little additional scenes make the movie better. I feel like the extended version of the virus scene was more important. Like, why the fuck did they cut that much out? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They they literally just went. Let's we'll make a virus, you know, because if they're sick, uh, it can't defend. Like that that was literally what they kept in, minus like the the discovery. You know, they were like you're a genius, and then like we came up with this virus thing. No, you didn't. You fucking skipped all that shit. <laughs> uh. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Well, I'll just say this, though. It's a a fun movie for what it is. Independence Day is not going to ever be remembered as a great movie as far as, like, acting goes, right? But if you just want a fun movie... If you want one of the most fun popcorn flicks ever made, is what I should say. Just sit back, watch some stuff blow up, and just get Will Smith one-liners. Or and Jeff, Jeff Goldblum one-liners. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's, it's not a great movie, but it's also a great movie. <laughs> Iconic Jr. steals the show, and then dies. And then dies. Ah. Uh. And of course, Cousin Eddie, Randy Quaid. Hello, boys. I'm back. Uh, good stuff. When, when we talk about... Tell 90- them how to take those sons of bitches down. When we talk about 97, we're going to talk about another movie that's really not good, but it's one of my favorite movies ever. So, And it's also a disaster movie. But that's next show. All right, so the 96 film lineup has a lot of interesting stuff in it. We had we start, kicked off the year with 12 Monkeys, as well as Biodome. So, yeah, Biodome. We, we were off to a great start right away. As well as Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. Just I just love the title of that movie. Also, who members Dunstan checks in? Yes, because I don't. that There's was when eight in the fancy hotel. That's when eight movies were all the rage. I'm like Matt LeBlanc's in it. <laughs> How about from... and they like foil a robbery? I think 
How about From Dusk Till Dawn? Classic. That one's good. It's a good movie. I watched that. That movie is like two different movies. That's so, it's so great though. Oh. I know, but it's so much fun. Uh, a Rick Moranis comedy came out, Big Bully. That was a fun one. Uh, the Chris Farley Black Sheep movie with David Spade, not nearly as good as Tommy Boy. That's one where his brother is running for office or whatever. Yep. Uh, White Squall came out that year. If you like your drama movies. Happy Gilmore. My second favorite Adam Sandler movie after uh, Billy Madison. So good. So damn funny. We need to do, you need to do a rank Adam Sandler's movies. Oh my god. I don't know if that was like a good oh my god or like oh, a bad oh my god. Because Adam Sandler movies come in two varieties. Classic <laughs> and garbage. <laughs> yes. So it should be easy to rank. Go and the, the the tales turn very quickly after Mr. Deeds. Yeah, because once you get past the wedding singer and fifty first dates, it, it starts going downhill pretty quickly. There are a lot of good stuff after that. Uh, one of my favorite Muppet movies, Muppet Treasure Island. Saw that in the theater. I saw it in the theater too. Like I think I've only seen it that one time. Oh, I love it. Love it. I'll rewatch the hell out of that movie. It's so it's it's it actually might be my favorite Muppet movie now that I think about it. No, well, Christmas Carol still number one. It's Christmas yeah. Carol. I watch it sometimes twice a year, <laughs> and yeah. not even during Christmas. <laughs> uh, in '96, we got Fargo there. I only saw it like six or seven years ago, if not for the first time. Now there's a show based on it. It's supposed to be very Is good. Is that even still a show? I show don't know. <laughs> Can't answer that one, unfortunately. I know the shows are like, it's a different thing every season. The uh, Homeward Bound sequel, Lost in San Francisco, came out in 96. Again, that's one oh. of those... Yeah, they did do a sequel. That's one of those, uh, we lost the pets again? Come on. I did not see it. <laughs> not a good example of a comedy sequel. This is not your Home Alone 2. Not the uh, the best example here. Uh, let me continue down the line here. The James and the Giant Peach movie, which I loved that book and I hated the movie. I didn't like the movie. Never read the book, but I did. I was not a fan of the movie. The the book was one of those uh, one of those like childhood classics that I reread the hell out of all the time because I just really liked it. You realize it was fucked up. Uh, very much so. Hey, remember the craft? That was ninety six. That's a good movie. That might be it's one of first day. Yeah, I think that might be one of my October watches this year. Perusa bulk. Dragonheart. Oh, yeah, where Sean Connery is the voice of a CGI dragon. Yes, he is. 
What? Yep. So Dennis Why Quaid do I not remember be... this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't... I've never seen the movie, but I remember it. Uh, speaking of Sean Connery, The Rock. Yeah. That might be the best Michael Bay movie. Love it. My entire family loves it, including like members of my family that don't like action movies. There you go. Like, The Rock rules. Remember The Phantom? With Billy Zane? Yeah. I remember when I was reading Bruce Campbell's first autobiography, and he's talking about when he went for that movie, and I was like, man, I hope he gets this movie. And then I was like, wait, Billy Zane was in it, and it was shit. <laughs> uh, this movie features a scene shot at medieval times in New Jersey. The one that I used to go to all the time. It's the cable guy with Jim Carrey. Yeah, which they uh, they got me and my aunt because the commercials and everything were just like, it's another Jim Carrey movie, everybody. Come see it. And it is fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really fucked up. But it's great fucked up. Uh, here's one that I saw in the theater. Eraser with Arnold. You have just been erased. I've seen like... The scene where he saves her the first time in her house. My favorite animated Disney movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't know if I've actually even seen it all the way through. It's my favorite. I was, I was totally out by then. No, not I. That was That was one that stuck with me because it's such a dark movie. Get past the singing gargoyles. And you'll find one of Disney's absolute best works ever. Between the art, the animation, the music, and the dark undertone of the story. Get past the, the beer. Dark undertone of the story. Isn't this the one where he's just like, I don't like this girl, but secretly wants to do this girl? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, you are 100% correct. Because... Frollo is trying to exterminate all the gypsies in mass genocide, but he's desiring one of them. And he's basically saying, if you, if you pick me, I'll spare your people. It's messed up. Really messed up. But really good. Remember because the, it's so messed up. <laughs> remember the nutty professor? Yes. Who doesn't remember the nutty professor? Jerry Lewis was at his best. Yeah, not that one. Not that one. It was like 10 years later after that movie came out, I found out it was a remake. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, 97. We were like, well, I was 12, so, or 96, so I was 11. Strips. I know 11-year-old knows the, there was not another one. If you really like Demi Moore, you can watch Striptease. That's one of those... She does it for her family. It's a, That's an awakening movie. Uh, the Harriet the Spy movie came out in 96. I'm sure somebody will remember that fondly. I never saw I, it. I saw it, but... Multiplicity? How about Kazam with Shaquille O'Neal as a genie? 
yes, which, which caused a mandala effect. He has a instead of like a a lamp, it's a boombox. And now everybody's convinced that there's a Sinbad movie where he's a genie. There's pictures of it though. That's the thing. There's like the actual pictures of it. Apparently, it was like some like commercial he did for like you know. Yeah, we're that's why something people on got, TBS or something. Right, that's why people got messed up. He did a commercial, and there you go. Uh, I have never seen this movie, but I have seen enough scenes from it to know that I don't want to see it, and that is Train Spotting. Because, my God, is it messed up? I mean, I just I just know the one scene because that's the one that gets satirized all the time, Which even one? on Family Guy. Oh, the baby? Yeah. It's so messed up. Obi-Wan is tripping, and he sees his friend's baby on the ceiling, and it, like, spins its head around. And And then drops on him. Uh, I remember Joe's apartment. Oh! Was that someone with all the roaches? Yep. First MTV-made movie. That's right. And then there wasn't one again. (laughs) I wonder why that failed. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> How about- Out of all the things, all the properties that they owned and what they could have made movies off of, they decided to go with something like that. Good lord. They yeah. decided to just make up their own thing. I was like, really? Because, like, as far as I knew, like, MTV was like a major part of Viacom, and they owned everything like they owned nickelodeon 19 percent on Latin tomatoes cost 13 million made four and a half <laughs> yeah that sounds about right uh escape from la more snake pliskin haven't oh. seen it heard it's not good at all no. New York's the good one. Bam Bam Bigelow was the voice of one of the roaches. That's hysterical. And also unfortunate. Um, Jack. Another one where it was like, hey, here's a fun Robin Williams comedy, everybody. And no, it's you not watch fun. watch it and no. you were sad. Yeah. You're very sad. I was sad for a really long time after that movie, and I didn't trust comedy people anymore. It was like earlier this year, I what watched do... a Jim Carrey movie that was not a Jim Carrey movie. What do you and want to then... be when you grow up? I want to be alive. Okay, so I don't want to watch this anymore. J-Lo like... turns him down because she's, cause he's actually just a kid. Ugh. <sighs> Aladdin and the King of Thieves, that was the Walt Disney Home Video release, the final Aladdin movie. It's actually, it's a full wrap-up. It's an actual, like, storytelling. It ends with Robin Williams wrapping up the story as the merchant. And it was Robin Williams' return as the genie. It's actually pretty good. And I never saw it. Even though Return of Jafar was bomb, was bomb diggity. Uh, Aladdin discovers his dad is the leader of the 40 Thieves. And it's the thieves invade when him and Jasmine are actually getting married. It's the full wrap-up. Aladdin and Jasmine get married and wrap up the story. About damn time. 
Two movies? Yeah, that's a pretty long engagement. <laughs> yeah. If you like the Tales from the Crypt movies, Bordello of Blood came out in 96. A big one that I always remember hearing about. Yep. Starring Dennis. Dennis Miller? Yeah, Dennis Miller. <sighs> Continuing... There's a whorehouse. It's full of vampires. Yep. Uh, the Crow City of Angels, unfortunately, came out this year. Only seen the first one. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You don't need to see City of Angels. Somebody might disagree with me on that one, but... Uh, still continuing. That Thing You Do. Oh, yeah. Really good. Good soundtrack, too. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just trying to get down the list here. Swingers. Good old Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. Good movie. Not a great movie, but it's fun. Uh, remember Thinner? Yes. To do. Uh, saw the very end of it. Like a, stuff. five to eight years ago, whatever. How about the uh, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio? Which is actually not bad. I think it's pretty entertaining. Swearman, I'm out. <laughs> uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and it won Best Picture, The English Patient. Not a good movie. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's not good. We watched it. We watched it for a project in college, and I remember we just we absolutely hated it. Me and the Two classmates I watched it with ripped that shit apart. We hated it. And they're like, it won Best Picture. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean I like it. It means a group of people decided. Yes. Exactly. Or was paid off. Uh, Space Jam. One of my favorites. Hell yeah. Again, I know it's not a good movie, but it's my movie, so shut up. Space Jam is a great movie if you're a kid and you don't have an, like that much of an attention span. It's fun. It was classic, and I love the Looney Tunes. This right? girl, Looney Five Tunes? Nothing. Michael Jordan? Are there any other areas you find yourself unable to perform? That joke went over all of our heads as kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then like I started reading like books about basketball and being like, "Yeah, I used to notoriously get totally always getting laid." <laughs> I'll never go out with Madonna again. <laughs> That's what I love about kids' movies that throw in those jokes for adults, though, because that means like like Shrek. Shrek two. Shrek, by I itself. don't believe was ever meant for kids. Sh- Shrek two. <laughs> we have a white bronco moving east into the forest. That joke was not there for the kids. That was... So that when that movie came out, it was already like a nine-year-old joke. It didn't matter. It was still funny. I, I cackle-laughed at that one. I mean, come on, dude. In the first movie, his name is Lord Fuckwad, for crying out loud. Yep. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? He's not talking about his height. 
Okay, here's a classic. Jingle all the way. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad in a Christmas movie. Also, not good, but it's a classic <laughs> <But> still. <laughs> not good, but it's now, great. <laughs> now, are we sure it's Sinbad? Because I remember this is around the time where I thought Sinbad was like in everything, and apparently he was in nothing. <laughs> in this it movie, is in, fact Sinbad. in this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Shaquille O'Neal go after a Turbo Man. Like, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, I must get a turbo man for Jamie. Stupid Jane Lloyd. And the big show is the big Santa. Stupid Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Star Trek First Contact. I think that's the one I saw in the theater. It's the one where a group, some of the people from the Enterprise are on Earth back when they make First Contact and some of them are stuck up just above the Earth, fighting mm. the Borg. I don't remember which Star Trek movie I saw in theater. We saw it for my dad's birthday, so I don't think it was this one, because we're at November now. It might have been Nemesis, which I know wasn't good, but again, I just saw it for my dad's birthday, and I just enjoyed it, because I wasn't a Star Trek guy, but, like, you know, you, you, you even as a kid, like, you have that choice, right? You can be miserable, or you can make the most of the situation and try to enjoy yourself. Somehow we ended up choosing being miserable. Yes, indeed. 101 Dalmatians, the live-action version with Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille. It's a fun movie, but the best part is Hugh Laurie and Mark Williams are Jasper and Horace. Yes. So Dr. House and Mr. Weasley. When they, like, realize that, like, they get locked in with a skunk, and you can see them already, like, preparing to... Like, one of them is, like, plugging their nose, like, fingers right up there. The other one's, like, trying to breathe out as much as they can to prepare. <laughs> Sling Blade. Ah, oh, yes. Daylight. There's another one. I just don't remember a lot of these movies. You're, like, saying things, and I'm just, like... I feel like a, a, a patient in a psych ward just going, like, I've never heard of these things. All right. <laughs> Mars Attacks. I, I do remember <laughs> hearing Mars Attacks, but I also looked at that movie and went, that's going to be terrible, and never saw it. It that is terrible. terrible. But it's, it's based supposed off to be of terrible. trading cards. Yeah. It, it is absolutely terrible, but it's also supposed to be terrible. Which is why it's fantastic. It's also, like, super star-studded, too. How do you just, get involved in that? Like, hey, just ask these superstar celebrities if they want to be in a very terrible movie just for shits and giggles. Because some people are into that. They'll be like this. Let's just do this for fun because you know why? I look at it this way. If I know it's a bad movie but I have a feeling it's going to have a cult following, I would do it. Sometimes you just know. You know, be like, yeah, we can't pay you, you know, like your normal $10 million, but we, we got pizza. <laughs> we'll give you 100000 and you're going to have the time of your life making this movie. The original Scream movie came out in December of 96. Still the best one, in my opinion. The last movie I'm going to mention is one of my all-time favorite movies, one of my top favorite comedies, and I still believe holds up to this day, 
despite the fact that the franchise itself, even though it's attempting to make a comeback, did not age well as a whole, Beavis and Butthead do America. One of my favorite comedies ever. I still watch this movie and laugh my ass off. It's so damn funny. I don't think the original show aged very well. But I'll be damned if the movie still isn't a classic. Those are your movies of 96. Want to talk some music, Dan? Yeah, top five from the year, according to Billboard. Number five is Always Be My Baby with Mariah Carey. Do, 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 do. Eh. Number four is a song I believe like three or four groups did around then, but it's the Tony Rich Project version of Nobody Knows. <laughs> Number three is Because You Love Me by Celine Dion. Of course it was. I went and saw my favorite musical artist, Celine Dion. Number two, Mariah Carey's back with her duet of One Sweet Day with Boys to Men. Number one song of the year. I bet you you guys can still dance it. There's actually a recent, a recent <laughs> video by Todd in the Shadows talking about it and its one-hit wonder status. And it is the Macarena Bayside Boys Mix by Los Del Rio. One-hit wonder, but... It was a hit. Definitely a hit. Uh, yeah, it was all over the place. I didn't know half the words because they were saying them so fucking fast. <laughs> it was catchy as shit. Um, looking at some of the other songs that came out in 96. You remember coming around the train? Nope. How about shoop, shoop, badoop. Yep. Badoop. Yep. I guess this was still, I was still in my hip hop phase. <laughs> You, you, you ought to know. Okay, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Oh, yeah. That's still a fun song. I like the way you work it. No diggity. diggity. How about 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins? That's a pretty good song. That means that's when Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out. For a while, that was my favorite album. Wonderwall by Oasis. Said maybe. A sad maybe. That is still now a it's song. a theme thing where like if you hear that song, you can't change the fucking station. It's like oh well, this, guess I'll listen oh, to this for the rest of it. Uh, Just a Girl by No Doubt came out in 96. Classic. I still like that song. Uh, Cheryl Crow singing If It Makes You Happy, Then Why the Hell Are You So Sad? She asked a question. question. 
Becca. <laughs> right? That's why. Uh, as far as, like, the top songs, uh, not a lot, of their, a lot of good stuff really charted that I would really talk about, but I only want to be with you. Like, that Hootie and the Blowfish song was still charting in 96. I love me some Hootie and the Blowfish crack review. That's another one where I think I just about every song is good. There you go. So, uh, 96 was a big year for a certain video game console. Yeah. It was. Because Which one, of one? Top, one of the top video games of the year was. Whoa! It's Super Mario 64! Hey, you're very good. See you next time. Next player, please. That was the first time. That was the first time. Well, it wasn't the first Charles Martinet role as Mario, but that was like the first one we all heard because nobody played Mario's Game Gallery on the PC. I remember being blown away by the graphics. Remember? I mean, because we we've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, there was nothing to compare it to. If you really think about it. Still one of the best platformers of all time when it comes to 3D platforming games. It's so much I just hated that controller. Yeah, I think everybody can agree that the Nintendo 64 controller was not good, but the games were fun. Mm. I mean, the Nintendo 64 alone had some of the greatest games ever made. Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, GoldenEye, Star Fox, Perfect Dark, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Banjo-Kazooie. Am I supposed to control this with my penis? Like, seriously, some of the great Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap. Like, some of the best games ever came out on the N64. Hell, Kirby 64 and the Crystal Shards. I love that the game. Crystal Shards? There was no Metroid game on the N64, right? Um, no. Until, uh... the, but, like... The thing about those games, right, is that's not what made, like, that's what made the console great, was those games that you literally just listed. If it wasn't for that, the console itself is mediocre. It also gave us Superman. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, it... the fact that, like, they had expansion ports that you can upgrade your stuff... Which sounded really cool in theory, and it still sounds really cool in theory, until you buy a game that needs an expansion port, but you never bought the expansion. Then you're really pissed off, and then you're like, why the fuck did they even do that? <laughs> I just remember because how much Even with I... the Super Nintendo, they added stuff where... Uh, they added, what was it, that fucking chip that's on Star Fox and stuff like that. The FX chip. Like, yeah. Well, it came with the game. So it didn't matter because it was built into the game itself. Yeah. But they just, they, I guess they just walked away from that. But that's also why it was such an expensive game. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, uh, so Nintendo 64, because we, it was one of the top Christmas gifts, too, that Dan had on the list here. Uh, 
that was still the whatever I think of like the best Christmas gift. I always go back to '96 because that was the ultimate troll move by my parents, where I unwrapped Super Mario 64, and they're like, "Well, you have the game, and eventually we'll be able to get the console, and when we do, you'll be able to play it." And I was like, "Oh, okay, yay!" And then they pulled the uh, Andy's mom move. Oh wait, what's that behind the tree? It's a surprise gift. And it was the N64. Nice. They trolled me. Hey, but at least you got it. I did. I did. So. Uh, no, my parents, they would have just got me a regular Nintendo. My dad would have gotten some tape and just spelled the word super on it, slapped it on there. and like, there you go. <laughs> he hands you an NES and he just painted the, the number 64 at the top. Yeah, do something like that. Here you go. I upgraded it. Plus, Mario Party and Smash Brothers originated on the N64. Mario uh, Kart, that was actually good. <laughs> Mario Kart 64, one of the best Mario Karts ever made. Yeah, but it didn't start there, and you know it. I know, but it wasn't that good on that Super Nintendo. It was excellent on a Super Nintendo. It was just a million times better on the 64. If if it was one of those things where if you played the 64 version first and then went to the Super Nintendo version, you're like, this is hot garbage. Is but if you played it the player. other way around, you still had an appreciation for, this, uh, for the Super Nintendo one. <laughs> now, first, first Mario Kart I actually played, played, played. Eight. No. Really? Like, I played a couple of races, like, on 64. But the only one, like, I've actually, like, played through an actual stuff and played, like, all the levels and everything. Eight. Hmm. I love eight the fact that the it was so good that they just, they had to re-release it. They were just like, okay, well, it was such a good Mario Kart game, but on the shittiest console that we've ever made that we need to remake it for the best console that we've ever made. And the latest track packs came out this week. And they're fun. I was having fun with them. Yeah. I don't own them, but I was playing online with Diagonal on Twitch. So I was, you know, because if you're, like, in a multiplayer lobby, you can play those if you don't own them. So that was how I played them. Very good. Anyway. Number two biggest game of the year was Boom Resident Evil. Uh, another great game with its downfalls of the fucking uh, movement keys. Camera angles. Mm-hmm. Fucking hated those cameras. That's angles. why it was a horror and survival horror. Because if there was good cameras and good controls, it wouldn't have been difficult. Resident Evil 4. Was where they got it right. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Uh, what are some new TV shows that came out in 1996? All right. <clears throat> 1996 started. New to the TGIF lineup is Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I she's do remember Clarissa. watching a few episodes. She's not Clarissa anymore. She's Sabrina. I love Salem. Salem's my boy. 
when it was a real cat for the first while, and then it became an animatronic. And it was horrible, but he was, I loved, I loved sarcastic cats, because to me, that's a cat. Cats are just dripping with sarcasm. But you're not like a... Uh, my cats. That, that oh, cat. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my cats started Oh, yeah, just... what the hell makes your cats so damn special? They sleep 90% of the time. Yeah. If Mike, if, if, if Lily could talk, she would be the most sarcastic bitch on the planet. Because she has the most judgmental ass face I've ever seen. Yo, that's Kitty, 100%. Sometimes I'll like walk into a room, not realize she's there, and she'll already be staring at me, just like, you're a piece of shit, you know that? <laughs> like, okay. You have entered that's the room fair. and you have not pet me. Yeah. I would and like three pets, precisely. Kiri, I'm pretty sure, is the reason I'm missing socks. Straight up, they're gone. Straight yeah, up, like, gone. Just, just straight up, no longer in existence. Like you know, you know when you're like putting your socks into the the uh, well, what's it called, the hamper or whatever. And I'll just be counting, and I'll be like, okay, that's three. Where the fuck's the other one? And I know I saw Kiri playing with my socks the other day. And it's like, well, where the fuck is it? Where the hell is the cat? I hate when you can't find the cat, but you know she's in the room. Because then you just feel like one of those dumb dinosaurs that can't see anything unless it's like, you know, something's movement. Like, you hear that fucking thing? Because <laughs> vision is based off movement. Uh, I doubt it, but okay. Yeah, they've already debunked that. Yeah. They're like, nah, if you stood still and a T-Rex was just staring at you, you'd be dead, so. So new that year? Clueless, the TV show where they got everybody besides Alicia Silverstone Mm. to come and be on the show. I never saw the TV show. I like the movie, though. It's like a perfect timepiece of what being a teenager in the early 90s was like. Yeah. yeah. Not great. Even though they were rich, you know, L.A. kids, it's still <laughs> pretty much encapsulated what it was being a teenager then. It's a... S- Superman, the animated series. Uh, not bad. It's not Batman, but... It is not bad. There's a, Mitzel, a Mr. Mitzelplick episode where it's, like, essentially, like, ten mini cartoons. Because it's him trying to mess with Superman, but Superman, all, like, immediately outsmarts him and just saying his name backwards <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Which is a really good episode. Jeez. Uh, Keenan and Kel got their own show. I love that show. What a great spinoff. Love's Orange Soda? I just sad that, like, that didn't last. Kel loves Orange Soda. Like, their friendship didn't really last. <laughs> you know? It's, like, it's just sad to hear about. And, like, I Keenan, I think, now is, like, 20 years on SNL. Like, holy shit. Yeah, I think he's the longest reigning cast member right now. He might be of all time at this point. I don't know. 
Also, they started The Daily Show. <laughs> started wow. in 96. I can't believe it's that old. People don't remember. Craig Kilborn started that show. Did he really? I always thought yeah. of John Stewart. It was Craig Kilborn. No, it wasn't John Stewart, right? Because after him, it was, uh, what's his name? Isn't it Trevor Noah now? Well, he's it now, but I think it was like Steve Carell. And then Chung? Steve Carell was on the show as a as a you know person. But was he just a like uh he wasn't the main person then. He was Steve just like Carell guest hosted seven episodes. Okay, because I thought it was him. I literally thought it was like the first person, Steve Carell, then John Stewart. And now Trevor Noah. And sorry if you can hear my dog. He's going crazy. That's fine. Craig Kilborn is like, he did this a lot. He came up with the idea for a show, got it started, hosted it. Two years later, he's out. You make John, a business and sell it. John Stewart, mm-hmm. 99 to 2015. Crazy. That's a long ass fucking time. Kenya, Kenya, believe it. Also starting in 1996. Hey, Arnold! You know, I used to say Rocky. Rocky. Rocco was my best favorite Nicktoon, but I think overall it's got to be Hey, Arnold. You said it was like Rocco's Modern Life was like the most like me and my friends. And then Hey, Arnold came out and I was like, hey, that's a more realistic like version of me and my friends. Yeah, I'm rewatching it from the beginning right now. I'm on the second season and loving it. Hey, move it, football head. And I'm going to watch the movies when I get to them. I forget where the Hey Arnold movie fits in with the actual series, but the Jungle movie is the concluder. So, Oh, and don't sleep on the Jungle movie if you haven't seen it, if you like Hey Arnold. It's good. It brings everything together. It actually wraps up the whole series, yeah. Really good. So, starting ninety six, Dexter's Laboratory. Ooh, that, that was, was a great fun, show. That was a fun show, yeah. Sister Beebe. Remember the Justice Friends? Major Glory and Valhalla and the Infragable Kronk. Uh, so good. There was and, like a a Justice Friends like thing, I think, in the Beetlejuice cartoon. And, like, Beetlejuice tries to apply for it after, like, doing a bunch of heroic things. And they're like, no, you cannot join the Justice group because it's just us. (laughs) All right. Also starting that year, Dragon Ball GT. All right. I'm going to throw my opinion of Dragon Ball GT out there. So... The fact that it's now considered non-canon is a good thing because it was done without Toriyama's input. So they kind of they kind of messed with the formula and messed with what what was working. The first thing they tried to do is they tried to make it more of a comedy instead of an action like the original Dragon Ball was. Cuz as much action as Dragon Ball had, it had more comedy than action. Dragon Ball Z is where it became an action-based show. GT wanted to focus a lot more on that. First thing they do is they turn Goku back into a kid, which 
They only did so they could give him a tail again and then come up with another transformation of Super Saiyan that was just dumb looking and really not very good. And they had some good stuff that probably could have worked. I liked the angle where they brought, where all the villains came back and like Frieza and Cell teamed up in hell to try to kill Goku while all these villains reappeared on Earth and tried to wreak havoc. I was like, that could have been a cool idea, but of course they rushed through the storyline. They also changed some of the characters and altered some of their personalities. Um, and they were basically, it was like they were just making stuff up as they went along. They had the baby angle, which did another Majin angle with Vegeta going evil again, which I kind of rolled my eyes at. And then like the Dark Dragon storyline where they were, eh, I don't know. Well, I, I think baby's aspect and like the whole baby Vegeta thing is that um, it was revenge, but not on Vegeta itself, just on the Saiyan race. Mm-hmm. And since they knew about King Vegeta, and this is Prince Vegeta, that was the whole like reasoning for it. But I didn't mind baby. I just hated GT. I will say this, the the Para Para brothers still cracked me up though. Mm. The aliens that force them that like control you by dancing. I remember that. I mean, that's the weirdest thing to come out of Dragon Ball, let's be honest. Not even close, yeah. I just remember it's the shortest series, it's only like sixty four episodes, but it felt so long. Because it's it's it really is just a drag of a series. Thankfully, it's no longer considered canon, or now it's considered an alternate timeline. And Super is the official conclusion. And Super's phenomenal. Super is great, I, and I hope they it comes back soon. Well, we've got the superheroes movie on the way, so yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. It's the next part of the manga, so well, actually, the next part of the manga, they like the the manga continues off of like Goku trying to master Ultra Instinct and Vegeta trying to still be better than Goku and Yeah. I want At this... one point they lose their abilities to turn Super Saiyan and they can't control anything. Oof. I want the series to end with Vegeta finally surpassing Goku. It needs to happen. Please. And you know what's gonna happen. He will finally pass Goku and then die. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I did it, Kakarot. I beat you. Ugh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'd kind of mark out for that, so. Also 96, Power Rangers, Zio. Zio. Yep. Zio is where I fell off Power Rangers. I watched it to the end, and then when the Turbo movie came out, I didn't see it, and that was the end of my run as a Power Rangers fan. I think Turbo is where I stopped. Is that the one where they all had, like, cars? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I was just like, no. No, they need to be creatures, not cars. I'm done with this. (laughs) But still out way before that. But as an adult, I have seen every Power Rangers. I I don't understand how you found the energy to watch all that stuff. As an adult. 
20 minute TV, bro. You can watch an entire season in a day. I can't. I, I guess if you're yeah, if you're just binging it. All right. Top Christmas gifts 1996. Nintendo 64. Yep. Or, you know, if you were uh uh poor, maybe you got a Tamagotchi. Oh my god, I remember Tamagotchis and Neopets and and they always died because the battery died. Sure. It wasn't because I didn't want to fucking take care of something. I just wanted them to battle. <laughs> and also, there was a sensation across the nation known as Tickle Me Elmo. God, I remember how hot that gift was. I bet you my parents were glad <laughs> that my sister was uh, nine, so she was just past that age. Yeah. So they didn't have to deal with that shit. Oh, I can imagine. You act like it's it's still not the hottest fucking thing, dude. Technically, I almost go for so much right now, still. And the thing is, this is the year we got Jingle All The Way. It was the same thing, right? The Tickle Me Elmo craze happened while Jingle All The Way was in theaters. Like, you son of a bitch, you fucking knew. They knew. <laughs> the consumer demand, it's like they knew. Ah, all right. So what has everybody seen recently? Uh, I've seen Nope. How'd you like it? I fucking loved it, dude. Really? Okay. You're the fucking first one I've heard. It. All right. You're the first one but I've heard. Not not for the reasons that you would think. Like, okay. Um, I I've really, really grown to respect um what who is it peel yeah 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 as a director and his his movie style because the underlying tone is fucking horror but he can't help himself but be fucking hilarious in his shit you know what i mean like mm-hmm um, cause what was the other one that he did? Like, uh, stay out or something like that or get out, get out, which I didn't like and got tons of heat for that. Okay. If you didn't like that and you didn't like his directing style, I don't know how you were going to feel about this movie. I didn't but... have an issue with the directing style. I had an issue with the movie as a whole. It had nothing to do with the directing style. Oh, okay. Well, I, I will say it, it goes in a direction that it just you, – you don't really see it coming. But I enjoyed it, and I also thought it was super fucking funny because of all the horrifying moments. Okay. Because there were times where I'm just like, if I was in this situation, I'd be fucking dead, 100% sure. And that's, but I don't know. It's it's really it's really good. I, there there's one scene. I'm not spoiling anything. There's one scene with an electric motorcycle, and a comment was made 
and it, and it was hilarious. Okay. All righty. I'll end that there. Uh, Dan, what about you? Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation. How was that? Good. I love the Christmas one that they did, so I know I'm going to like this one. It's more like that. It's the the, the gang goes on a, on a, a you know vacation ship called the Halcyon. And they all break up, and Finn is trying to do it together because they're all going to be going their separate ways now. You know, Finn's going to go find the more ancient text, and there's no, sorry, Ray's going to go find the more ancient text, and and Finn's going to try and find more former troopers, and you know they're all going to do their separate things. So he wants to do it all together, and then he gets Force ghosts that help him with his situation. You know, I I saw this review once on one of the Lego Star Wars games, and it said, sometimes it's nice to just not take everything so seriously and just have fun with your franchises. And that's what these Lego things are doing. They're good parodies of the source material while not being insulting. And I love them. I feel like these two Lego Star Wars things did more than the... The sequels did for these <laughs> characters. Oh, shots fired. I agree, but shots fired. <laughs> there's a story and things happen, but I, there's like very little character development in those. Probably because we had different directors. And there wasn't. A I don't know. Like looking over everything, you know? Yeah, I don't think even think it was like multiple directors was the issues. I think is that the directors that they did get had conflicting ideas of how the story should continue. Hmm. Which I think you're right. So, and they needed a Kevin Feige to say no. <laughs> you can have your own little story, but it has to have these handful of things in it. They have to happen. But hey, that's how the cookie crumbles. Oh, well, we have a Taika Waititi made one coming soon. Did we talk about it? That while making Love and Thunder, he's like, Hey, Natalie, you want to be in my Star Wars movie? Um, I'm already in Star Wars movies. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, I watched the finale of Camp Cretaceous on Netflix. Uh, so, to sum up what, how I feel about the Jurassic World show. I'm going to compare it to Avatar The Last Airbender. You have to remember, it's a show made for kids, and it's going to feature dialogue and situations that are friendly to kids. 
when you remove those elements and you look at the overall presentation of the show and the layers of it, you get a really, really good show. Eric, you've seen Avatar The Last Airbender, right? Yes. So you know what I'm what I'm getting at with that. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's one of those dude, like for real, this is just fun to to watch. Like and again, it all it all boils down to the whole the whole uh like yes, there's some of the dialogue is really weird and you're just like, okay. Yeah, this is kind of lame, but whatever. Let's let's keep going, and then you're just like, okay, let's break this stuff down. And ooh, okay, yeah, there's a dark story here, and that's actually pretty good. And ooh, I like that twist. And the best part is the show's officially done now, has a satisfactory ending, and leads perfectly into the Jurassic World sequel movies. So the way it takes place between Jurassic World and Jurassic World 2 and Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, which it had to because at some point the island was going to blow up. So they had to end the series eventually. So. But it's good. It's got some. It is one of those shows where you get a little it can be a little annoying at times because it gets to the point where you're like, all right, they've cheated death way too many times at this point. Now I'm starting to get a little bored. <laughs> but other than that, good stuff ov- overall. So don't sleep on it if you guys are fans of the Jurassic Park series. Again, yes, it's a show made for kids. Get around that and you'll find a really good show underneath. And now I present a treat for Eric. Ooh. What is it? Well, we've already done some Vince McMahon stories. This time, I've got Hulk Hogan lies. Okay. This is a Twitter thread of all the various lies that Hulk Hogan has told over the years. Because <laughs> Hulk, right. Hulk Hogan's a master bullshitter, and some of these stories are just not true. Now, now, how much, how much of these are like embellishments versus straight-up fucking lies. Well, let's break them down as we do them. Okay. The wrestler-director Darren Aronofsky offered him the lead role three times. Hogan claims he turned it down because he didn't deserve it. Aronofsky has categorically denies that Hogan was ever considered for the role. What role? The wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hulk Hogan was never considered for that. It was originally going to be Nick Cage. Well, he always wanted, um, what's his face? But they're like, well, we're not going to make it. Mickey and Rourke. Like, okay. Yeah. He always wanted Mickey Rourke, but they're like, well, we're not going to pay for you to make it. So they're like, okay, Nicholas Cage. And while it was going to be a Nicholas Cage movie, Claudio Castagnoli was going to be the bad guy. Uh, that would have been good. Better than Ernest Miller, but yeah, good movie. And it would have been Claudio playing like a Russian, I think. And I'm an extra in it. 
Although you can't, although I've looked for myself and I haven't found myself, but I found CJ and I was sitting next to him. So good for you, CJ. For both shows. Like you motherfucker. Well, we were sitting in different seats for each night because they shot it over the course of two nights. We were in different locations. So I definitely, I was keeping an eye on the two locations we were in to see if we showed up in any of the shots. And in one shot, you can definitely see CJ. But you can't see me. And I was sitting next to CJ that night, so. But that's fine. Nothing beats the SummerSlam pay-per-view where I was sitting seven rows back from the ring and Steve Austin came out and I was marking out for him so bad that the camera walked right past me and you don't see it. And if you watch that pay-per-view and they're, as they're, the camera's walking through the crowd, you see me distinctly not realizing the camera's there. <laughs> Which I always got a kick out of. Uh, another... Well, that gives you more of a natural look, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's fine. Exactly. We'll go with that. Uh, more Hulk Hogan lives. He was an all-star or an all-state pitcher in high school and was scouted by both the New York Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds, but an injury prevented him from signing with either team. So, Eric, you're not going to understand why this one's funny, but Dan will. Hulk Hogan hated Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> They had a huge rivalry. Randy Savage actually played for the Cincinnati Reds. So Hulk Hogan just made up a story that he was scouted by them. Uh, okay, so how much of it was him just saying shit to piss off Randy? Uh, all of it, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, he never got scouted by the Yankees and the Reds. Get the hell out of here. <clears throat> Uh, Hogan claims he's the first one who noticed the potential in Kevin Owens. His quote was, well, I hate to brag about it, but I'm the first one to point the finger at Kevin Owens. Yeah, people knew about Kevin Owens for 10 years before Hogan ever noticed him. So that's definitely a lie. Uh, Kevin Owens still going strong in WWE. In fact, he re-signed for like five years for several million. Yeah, and he re-signed at a time where... He probably shouldn't have, but it's paying off now. Paid off now because Vince is gone. Triple H took over and the product's already improved. Really? Oh, yeah. Noticeably improved. It was within a week. Yeah, because he, like, stepped down. And then the next Saturday was SummerSlam. (laughs) SummerSlam. Everybody sang is a really good show. So... (laughs) Uh, All it took was him stepping down. Who would have thought? Uh, every wrestling fan on the internet for the last at least 10 years, some of us 20. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a rhetorical question, but okay. <laughs> yes. Well, we, but, we all, but all of the above thought it would take him dying for it to happen. Yeah. But no, it turns out that he finally caught up to him all the fucking he did. So there you go. But would you say all the fucking fucked him? Well, a little, little bit. <laughs> I saw the picture of Bret Hart with a sign that says Vince screwed Vince. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so this one's a Hogan lot. Well, it's true that Hogan starred in Mr. Nanny and Santa with Muscles, two of the worst movies ever made. Hogan claims he rewrote both scripts entirely, only to have his writing credits stolen from him by the Dastardly Writers Guild. Okay. Why would you even want to claim that you rewrote those scripts? Maybe he was trying to do them a favor. 
He was proud of say, I, I wrote them, and then they took them from me, those dastardly guys, and that's why the movie sucked. <laughs> uh, Hulk Hogan says he used to fight pride fighters in the 70s. Do you know why this is funny? No. Because Pride Fighting Championships was founded in 1997. Uh, So there there were no Pride Fighters in the 70s, or 80s for that matter. Oh, Hulkster. Uh, Hogan claims he was the first person to slam Andre the Giant. Not true. Claims that Andre weighed 600 pounds when Hogan slammed him. Not true. Claims that Andre died a few days after the slam. Very not true. He slammed him in 87. Andre died in 93. And he also tore 18 muscles in his back slamming Andre. Also decisively not true because he was still working. Also, I don't think there's that many muscles in your back. Yeah, there might be. But he he didn't tear one, let alone 18, so... <clears throat> it's just all that bullshit when the real like most of the most interesting story about that was they didn't know if Andre was going to play ball until the second it happened uh, after WrestleMania this, this one's a great lie after Wrestlemania 2 Hulk Hogan went partying with John Belushi Wrestlemania 2 happened in 1986 and John Belushi died in 1982 <laughs> So, no, Hulk did not party with John Belushi after WrestleMania 2. Well, Hulk got so high that he thought he was partying with John Belushi. Hulk Hogan told The Undertaker that he caused permanent damage to his neck by botching the Tombstone Piledriver. And Taker believed him for the better part of two years until he saw a tape of the match, which clearly shows Hogan's head going nowhere near the chair. And if you watch, there's an animated GIF attached to this thread where it's so obvious that Hogan is completely protected. Dude, so That's fucked up. So that's a classic old school move. What guys would do is they would go up to the rookies and be like, well, you hurt me, kid. But hey, it's no big deal. That's just how the business is. And that would make the rookie feel bad. So when the veteran wanted a favor, the rookie would do it for him. Hogan wasn't that's the first so one to do that. shitty, though. <laughs> He wasn't the first one to do that. <laughs> like, you, like, imagine being the new guy and you really think you fucking hurt somebody. It's, you're uh, not going to be on your A game after that. Uh, and you need to be because you're a fucking new guy. But that's how these things worked. That's Well, first of all, I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like the wrestling business is all friggin' sunshine and rainbows. Because there's a lot of drama on the inside that I've witnessed firsthand. But that's a classic veteran tactic to make a rookie do a favor for you down the line. Tell him that he hurts you and act like it's no big deal, but they'll still feel bad about it. Oh, I did see a wrestling match that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Okay. Now, I don't know if this was like like a... WWE thing, I doubt it. It looked like it was like a a backyard thing. The whole gimmick was this person picked up his um, competitor and started like shaking around like he was putting him to sleep as a baby and then lightly placed him on the floor and he was tapping him out because he fell asleep. That was definitely not a WWE thing. That sounds like an idiot backyard thing. 
Yeah, but it was fucking funny and entertaining because the like he got the count of two, and then before three, he like rolled over to suck his thumb, and then he finally <laughs> placed him back on his back, and then the referee had to sneeze, which ended up waking him up, and then the match continued. Oh my god. I'm face palming right now. <laughs> I and I, I figured you would enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy mocking it. <laughs> really? I think I think that's cool for like we whatever it depends on the company and what they do, but like that's like a Chikara thing that would have happened. It, it depending on the environment, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, there's an album called Hulk Rules. It was released by Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. It, one of the most famous tracks on the album is a tribute song called Hulkster in Heaven. Well, according to Hulk, he met a very ill Make-A-Wish kid in England, got him a ticket to SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium to watch him wrestle in the main event. So, what do we know about SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium, Dan? Main event was British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the yep. IC title. And where was Hulk Hogan at that pay-per-view? Did he even come to England? No, he wasn't even in the United Kingdom. <laughs> so, no. Hulk Hogan did not meet a Make-A-Wish kid in England. I'm not saying he didn't meet a Make-A-Wish kid. But he definitely didn't meet him in England for SummerSlam 92. <clears throat> Uh, Hulk claims he was asked to join this startup company known as UFC, and he would have never joined because guys got beat up when the fight should be stopped. Yeah, Mr. I used to fight pride fighters. Good lord. They wouldn't have even asked him because the early UFC was about who was what was the best martial art, and what the fuck would Hogan be there for? <sighs> So you know the George Foreman grill story, right, Dan? That he invented it. <laughs> he was. Uh, do he it? was supposed to be the spokesman for it, and yeah. the reason he didn't get it was because when they made him the offer, he was out picking his kids up from school. So you know, instead of leaving a message on his machine, "Hey, call us back," they just said, "Oh, Hulk didn't take the phone call at this time. He's not interested. We'll call George Foreman." It's funny because at the time, Hulk was still a viable name, and George Foreman was long past his career. Was he even past like the period of time where he had a sitcom on Fox? Oh my god! I... This was even past that. Yeah, but Hulk Hogan was never considered for the grill. Sorry. My favorite Hulk Hogan lie of all time is this one. Hulk Hogan claims that back in his heyday, he wrestled 400 days in one year. Hogan claims that since he traveled so frequently between the United States and Japan, the time difference made the 400 days a possibility. Okay. Now, like, how much of his <laughs> bullshit is just him trying to bullshit to, like, to tell stories? Yeah. Yeah. Because. There's he... no way he, he would have known that that was going to, like, I mean, yes, now, in one direction you do gain a day, but you lose that day back when you come back. I mean, even if... I just feel like now he's just saying shit to get people riled up. But he believes this shit. That's the thing. 
So it's not like a, a his own gimmick thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> here's another great one. In Hulk Hogan's autobiography, he claimed that Elvis was a fan of Hulk Hogan. Do you know why this one's funny, Eric? I'm assuming because Elvis was long dead before... Elvis was dead before Terry Bollea had his first wrestling lesson. So Elvis couldn't have been a Hulk Hogan fan because when he died, Hulk Hogan didn't exist. He was still Terry Bollea. Uh, this one's great, too. He claims that both Metallica and the Rolling Stones wanted him as their bass player. In fact, it was Lars Ulrich who came to Hogan himself to ask him to play with the group. Uh, they have both categorically denied that one. Hulk Hogan did play bass guitar. That's not a lie. He actually can play bass guitar. But he wasn't never going to play with Metallica or the Stones. <clears throat> I can't. <laughs> Uh, when Hogan ran for president, Jay Leno asked him what his platform was. Flat tax, brother. Jay tried to explain it for the folks at home. Hogan stammered before coming up with 16%. <laughs> and when Jay asked him how he came up with that, he said, well, 16's higher than 15. Yes, Hulk Hogan did claim he was going to run for president. But it was just a storyline to get him off TV for a little while for when he comes back to be a surprise. Also, uh, when Leno asked him, are you going to run as a Republican or a Democrat? He goes, well, I'm right now I'm in the middle, brother. And Jay Leno looks at him and goes, what kind of lame answer is that? He was going to be the red and yellow party, dude. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> I feel like nothing good could happen from a person saying that they're running for presidency through a wrestling venue. Uh, Hogan claims he used to be 6'9", but now thanks to back surgeries and knee surgeries, he's only 6'4". That's not how that works at all. This story is is shitty to make fun of, but it it is actually a lie. He claims he was going to commit suicide and literally had the gun pointed at his head, but he got a call from Layla Ali and took it as a sign he should keep trying to live. That's not something you should ever joke about, and Layla Ali even flat out said that never happened. Like, I would never call this man. <laughs> no, they, they did the, the Return of American Gladiators together. Yep. So they have definitely spoken to each other at least a few times. Uh, this one I actually believe. Well, half of it I believe. He says he wanted to drop the title to Roddy Piper in 1985, but didn't think Piper would be willing to lose it back to him. I 100% believe that Roddy Piper wouldn't have lost it back to him. <laughs> I don't think he would have ever been willing to do it, but <laughs> I I absolutely believe that once Piper had the belt, he would have said, hell no, he's not getting it back. I'll give it to Savage, but not to Hogan. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, once claimed that Andre took a dump in a hotel bathtub and filled it all the way to the taps. I don't think anybody can dump that much. I'm sorry. Hogan in his autobiography claimed he batted an unheard of .714 in the Little League World Series. In fact, it's so unheard of that to this day, the Little League has no record of a Terry Bollea ever playing in its World Series. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
my Why god. Why lie about something that you can easily fact check? <sighs> There's nothing he won't lie about. That's the thing, right? Well, that's why I think... See, I don't know. Because I, I, I don't watch wrestling. When you told me about the, the Randy Savage thing, I would just be like, oh yeah, no, I'd, I'd say a bunch of lies just to get under Randy's skin or whatever. But it, it doesn't... This doesn't seem... Uh, it doesn't appear to be just a Randy thing. It just seems to be like, I just want to lie to lie. Well, that's just it. Is Hogan's always been one of the master bullshitters, and... Uh, one of one of my all time favorite manipulation tricks that he pulled, which actually backfired on him, was what he would do is he would leave and go shoot movies when the NBA season was coming around because the basketball games would wreck havoc on the WCW ratings. So what he would do is he would leave, go shoot a movie, and then the ratings would go down. And then when he, he'd come back when the season was over and be like, oh, look at that. The ratings are back up. Well, that's because I was gone. And, of course, the Turner bigwigs believed him because they didn't know any better. But one time it backfired on him. This was actually right before he made that infamous heel turn in the NWO. He was gone too long. The ratings came back and started doing better than they were doing when he was around. So he had no more leverage left. He couldn't just be like, oh, look, it's because I was gone. They're like, no, no, it's not. The ratings are fine now. So he was forced to turn heel, which was a good move on his part because it rejuvenated his career. But, like. Heel is bad guy, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, baby face and heel. Or tweener if you're in between. But that's kind of a dumb role to really be in. But, yes, the, uh. I entertained you with Vince McMahon's stories. Now I wanted to entertain you with Hulk Hogan lies. I still feel like I am more entertained by the Vince McMahon stories. Yeah, but... because the thing is with wrestling, it's like, there's just, like, there's no telling what sort of things could possibly happen. And Well, that that's that's just it, right? Like... When you were when you were telling me Hulk Hogan lies, I'm like, well, yeah, they they're obviously lies. We can fact check it. But when you tell me a, a Vince McMahon story, it sounds like a fucking lie, but it's true, and and I can't get my mind around that. He was all pissed off once because they redirected a flight to Albany because it was going to delay him from getting back to the office and working, and he actually, like, got up from his seat in first class and went and knocked on the cockpit door because he demanded to talk to the pilot. And they're like, well, we can't land in Connecticut. There's a huge storm there. And he, like, he was cocky enough to pull that shit. And Like, yeah, that's pre-9-11, but still. And they rented a car, and he drove through the night through the shit. Yeah, like 90 miles per hour, and everybody was clenching their ass cheeks. Jim Ross gave him the famous line. He said, Vince, I love you, but I love my children more, and I want to see them again, so I'm never driving with you ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear God. What a crazy dude. (laughs) I wonder, like, what made him that way? Like, what happened in his life? That he just thinks this is okay. 
We'll never, ever know. I mean, I'm guessing it has to do with the abusive stepfather he grew up with. And that warped him for his entire life. All right. So tell me what was different this weekend with wrestling that made everything better. So I didn't watch the show, but from what I understand, it was just it was more well entertaining and put together. It had it had a flow to it. Nothing overstayed its welcome. The show didn't go over four hours like all these big pay-per-views have been doing. Some of them go for like six hours and it's just too damn long. And it's SummerSlam, so it would have been like the second longest show of the year, probably. Yeah. A bunch of people who got fired earlier in the year or even late last year have started coming back because they were Triple H people and he's been rehiring them. There was, as a matter of fact, one of the big things that happened is there's now a new group of girls and one of them was released earlier this year and the other one was one foot out the door leaving within the next month. Yep. And they were going to have this group and Vince didn't want it. So as soon as Triple H took over, he made the group happen. So the one girl came back from injury, one came back from the unemployment line, and one came back from purgatory. And now they're a group together. Uh, and they're like in the top few, in the top woman's storyline. Uh, earlier this year, Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of the company because of creative differences with Vince's right hand man, John Laurinaitis, who was also part of the sex scandal and got outed. And now the rumors are that they've reached a contract renegotiation and Which they're going to be coming back. They also just announced that they're going to start a women's tag team title tournament starting this Monday. And I'm like, hmm, conveniently, they're readdressing the titles as soon as they're rumored to be coming back. Yes. So I'm guessing they're going to just show up for a match in the tournament and they're probably going to win the tournament. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Change is happening, though, and it looks like change is happening fast, so that's good. And that's just it. This we, is... we know a bunch of different companies that would say, oh, yeah, no, we're, we plan on getting rid of this person and changing things, and then that change just never happens. It's the same shit with a different face. Mm-hmm. You mean like you ever had a job where you, one of your higher-ups was a piece of shit? And everyone kept telling you that they were going to get fired soon, and it's a year later, and they're still there <laughs> and being a piece of shit. That may have happened within the last couple of years for me. <laughs> I probably talked about it on an old podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know how weird it is to. I'm about to complete my one year at my current job, and like, you know how weird it is working for a company that acts like they give a shit about you? Considering how many companies I've worked for that didn't? Like, I almost don't get it still. It's weird. It's like, these guys are actually, like, caring and compassionate, and they try to take care of their employees. Oh, coolest thing? Main event was a, uh, was like a what, last man standing kind of match, right? Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar comes out in a big-ass tractor and almost turns the ring upside down. Yeah. And they did the entire match with the ring lifted up. Sometimes goofy stuff like that is just entertaining. Like, here's the thing. Here's what I want out of my pro wrestling. This is what I've always wanted out of my pro wrestling. I want a sports-based presentation with just a little bit of the entertainment side mixed in for color. I want good wrestling matches, but I also enjoy the characters involved. That's what I want a mix of. 
That's why the early 2000s SmackDown era was one of the best in wrestling. Because that's what we were getting. We were getting these really quality matches with like six guys. But there was also the entertainment stuff going on too. That's why the 80s was a boom period for wrestling. How important are the like commentary is the commentary? Uh, It can make or break your show really. Or you as a wrestler and your career. Yeah, because if the commentators spend the whole time talking about what a piece of shit you are, then a lot of the live audience is going to believe them. The thing is, pro wrestling as a whole has always tried to appeal to casual fans because they know that the hardcore fans are going to be there no matter what. So they try to put on stuff that will appeal to casual fans, and especially kids, because there's money in that. But you can still have a good product and an adult-based product while still pulling that stuff off. The oh, yeah. Pro- also, one of the first things they did is they're willing to do TV 14. Yeah, but again, that's not going to make up for for crappy storylines either. But there's been a noticeable improvement, which has been fun. Uh, Eric, I'll give you a little bit more wrestling stuff. Here are some wrestling urban legends throughout the years. Uh, one of the famous ones is that Jim Helwig, who played the Ultimate Warrior character, had actually died and got replaced long before he actually died back in 2014. Like, as an active wrestler, he was replaced. The only reason people believe this is because when he made his comeback, he changed his hair and didn't look like what he, he didn't look the way he used to. And everybody was convinced that it was a different guy entirely. Despite the fact that when he talked, it was still him. But, you know, people said that about The Undertaker. They said that about anybody with a mask or face paint or anything. See their face. Yeah, they said that about everybody. And it's just, it's so stupid. And there are people who legitimately believe it. There has been a long-standing rumor that one of the reasons the company has was out of favor with Macho Man Randy Savage is they claim that he was messing around with Stephanie back when she was 14 years old. Now, that has never, ever been proven, and it's always just been a rumor. And I don't think there's enough evidence to support that a 14-year-old Stephanie was messing around with Macho Man. Well, they eventually inducted him, but it was a few years after he had died. Yeah. So... (sighs) I always just kind of hate... Well, you shouldn't. I was thinking about the storyline. How how you said people just thought he was a different person altogether. How interesting would it have been had he come back out and would like I was uh, trapped by this person who's impersonating me or whatever, and that's like the new story. And this is that's how they introduced this new wrestler. He's like a clone, and he just clones people. All right, Palpatine. That you know, good clone. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a noteworthy rumor that Psycho Sid shit himself in the WrestleMania 13 main event against The Undertaker. Whether or not that's true, we'll never know, but... Uh, a famous story is, uh, Shawn Michaels got the shit kicked out of him by nine Marines in Syracuse. Dan, you know that story, right? Yep. He was... Yeah, he had made passes at women... That were surrounded by a group of Marines because he had British Bulldog and Diesel to back him up. 
And Michaels got roughed up by the Marines, but was saved by Bulldog and Diesel. Uh, Michaels did get his ass kicked, but it wasn't by nine Marines. It was by one. And he didn't get saved by his friends because his friends were still in Binghamton. He went early to yep. the next town. And that's why he got his ass kicked, because his friends were big, huge. They wouldn't have fucked with him. Uh, Hulk Hogan's WrestleMania 9 Black Eye was due to a skiing accident, which came from Hogan, as well as people that are reputable. Maybe this is one he didn't lie about. But the theory is that Randy Savage blamed him for his divorce with Miss Elizabeth and punched him before the show. That one is actually not true. Uh, Randy Savage never punched him for that and never blamed him. Hogan was, in fact, injured in a skiing accident. So, there's there's some truth there, right? Uh, I yeah. mean, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it. Uh, Shawn Michaels never got into a fight with Tommy Lee over Pamela Anderson. That never happened. Sean can tell whatever he wants. Rhett Michaels on the other hand. <laughs> Rhett Michaels on the other hand. Um, yes, we know that Pat Patterson was openly gay, but he did not... The Ring Boy stories, I think, are grossly exaggerated. Also, did he have homosexual relationships with Jacques Rougeau and the Brooklyn Brawler? Probably not, but you know. Funniest thing about the uh, Legends House. Yeah, where they're like, we have a great big reveal. He goes, I'm gay. And I'm like, that's the reveal? I've known about that since I... That's the second thing I ever learned about Pat Patterson. Yeah, that's second thing I ever learned about Pat Patterson. That's Pat Patterson. Cool. For, He's the first Intercontinental Champion. Okay. He's gay. Yep. First two things I ever... They mentioned it in the old... In the Attitude Era. He ripped his shirt off during a segment, and Jim Ross said, he's single, fellas. He didn't say he's single ladies. He said he's single, fellas. Give me a break. That was like 98. Uh, yeah, there's there's all kinds of... Uh, uh, the Von Erich stories. Did Gene, Gene Kaniski bought Kevin Von Erich a hooker when he was 12? Kerry killed a cat. Uh, 11-year-old Chris got a hooker, too. Yeah. There's a lot of urban legends around that family. You know, it's not an urban legend that three of the four brothers that died were suicides. Jesus. And Kevin's the only one still alive. David, Mike, Carrie, and Chris are all dead. Fritz is dead, too. All suicide? Uh, no. One of them... Well... I don't think David was actually a suicide. Mike was a drug overdose that could have also been suicide. Carrie and Chris were definitely suicides. 100%. Those were gunshot wounds. And Chris's is like the saddest because Kevin found him. Yeah, he and he told him he was going to do it. And then Kevin found him. Because Kevin was just looking for him. He finds him and he goes, oh, did you see my note? And he's like, no. But I found you, so okay, whatever. And he leaves, and then his brother killed himself. He goes back to the house, and it was a suicide note. Yep. Uh, this one's true. Randy Savage did carry a gun in his bag. 
That one's true. Randy Savage was notably paranoid and quite, quite possibly would have murdered Hulk Hogan. Uh, did Lita perform favors for people who would train her while she was in Mexico? Obviously, she said that never happened, but that one's always going to be a popular theory. That she got people to train her like that, so... Uh, did JBL haze new wrestlers in the shower and help them wash up? Uh, possibly. <laughs> First half, I can almost guarantee. Yeah. Were the fabulous Mulan May Young lesbian lovers at one point? I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Yeah, but again, these are just rumors that surround the wrestling business. A lot of these aren't true. Of course, at least four people who wrestled in ECW have killed somebody. Well, I can tell you one. (laughs) New Jack absolutely killed somebody. Multiple somebodies, in fact. Uh, We should tell Eric some new stories. A horrible accident. Like, what's going on there? New Jack was a bounty hunter. So he killed people and got paid to do it. He also attempted to kill a 17-year-old kid in the ring. You go in and things go bad immediately and you have to defend yourself. And that's how he got off every time. Yep. Justifiable homicide. He actually did attempt to kill a guy in the ring, a 17-year-old kid. He even got on the microphone and said, I hope this motherfucker bleeds out. I don't give a fuck while his dad was screaming at ringside. Saying he's 17, he's 17. He's 17, yeah. Because they lied. Eric, you should check out Dark Side of the Ring. You really don't have to have knowledge of wrestling to enjoy that show, but it talks about all these shitty stories that happened in wrestling. Which is how he got away with that, too. He's like, did he take liberties? Yes, but the kids shouldn't have been there. He falsified everything. Well, he also did the whole, in the trial, they asked Paul Heyman, what did what did what did the kid's father call New Jack? And he goes, he called him the N word. And they go, no, Paul, for the on record, what did he call him? And Paul looked at New Jack and said, I'm so sorry, and had to say it in court. And he said there was one black guy on the jury that was like, oh hell no. So there you go. Good God. Wrestling's crazy, dude. But we lo- for some reason, we love it, so. Because, like, okay, every other sport has scandals, right? But how many of them are this entertaining? I feel like that's part of wrestling is the scandals. What kind of scandals happen in, in the freaking NFL and the NBA? It's all the same stuff. Oh. The stupid crime Remember charges. Remember Sosa? Yeah. <laughs> in the home runs? Yeah. It's drug abuse or spousal abuse or they committed crimes or st- or like even golf had its scandals. Yeah, and Tiger Woods with all those women. I mean, good for him, but like. But how many sports have a guy who was so pissed that the McDonald's was closed that he hurled a boulder through the window? <laughs> that didn't happen in Major League Baseball or the National Football League. Didn't even happen Ooh. in NASCAR. Hungry, hungry, Ken Patera. 
That was Ken Patera, pro wrestler, that did that. The McDonald's was closed and he was pissed, so he picked up a literal boulder and hurled it through the window. I mean, that's not going to open the McDonald's. Well, I mean, he's inside now. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part. You're open now. (laughs) Good God. Welcome to the world of professional wrestling. Can I get a six-piece nuggets, please? <laughs> What's he going to do, cook it himself? Dear God. You know who Eric would like, Dan? Eric would like Dan Housen. Yeah? You would like Dan Housen because he's such, he's such a goofy gimmick and he's always in gimmick. And he curses There's people. a picture of him he took today with Sasha Banks. Yep. At C2E2. I, I saw Oh, some... is that? Okay. That's Dan Housen. We got him. The guy that you gave Chris Bunny to do a cameo for me for my birthday last year. Yes, we did. We played it on the show. Yeah, and that a... is Sasha Banks, who we just talked about. Oh, I, I've WWE. seen pictures of Sasha Banks, so... More Sasha Banks pictures is not going to upset me. Well, you've also seen The Mandalorian. Yeah. So. Costco Reeves. So what's what's his gimmick then? Uh, he's very nice and very evil. Very nice and very evil. I mean, I don't really know how to describe it. He's kind of a... He's kind of a He's kind of, he's basically based on a German metal type gimmick that thinks he's got witch doctor type powers. And he can curse people. And he and he has great explanations for everything. When people are like, why do you look like that and, and act like that and talk like that? He goes, because people want to see it and they give me money to do it. So I do it. What a great answer. And he's married to a top-tier burlesque performer. Yep. What? Yes, he is. Lulu Duchies. And she calls herself Mrs. Danhausen, too. And that's his actual name, right? Like, his legit last name is Danhausen. I don't remember what his actual first name is. I mean, he was Donovan Danhausen before he put on the paint. Donovan Danhausen's his real name. Yeah, now he just calls himself with the last name. Like like Dave Batista. Just called himself Batista. Batista. He, Bill Goldberg would just call himself Goldberg. Sometimes just a last name works, other times it doesn't, but in those cases it did, so. Depends upon what your last name is. Right. Like Danhausen sounds like a gimmick name. Also, I didn't realize he was only 31. I actually thought he was a little bit older than that. But yeah, he's a he's just, he's a character. He's a character wrestler. He's not a great wrestler, but he he's more character than skill. But you you pay to see the character. I mean, that's there there's a lot of wrestlers that were like that. Where the character was the the attraction as opposed to the actual wrestling skill. 
I think the best example of that is probably Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was never a good wrestler. But everybody was driven by his character. The, the good characters that were also wrestlers were like Randy Savage and Roddy Piper and Mr. Perfect and Ted DiBiase. Those guys could actually wrestle. Hulk Hogan could just... He, he, got, he got around on his charisma and his strength. He was actually half decent. You mean but... his bullshit? He got around yeah. on his bullshit? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if you watch this match he has with the great Muda in, in New Japan, he's actually like wrestling. Well, I'm sure everybody can do a little bit of wrestling. Well, that's the thing. When you become top babyface for Vince McMahon, you become punch-punch finisher. Right. And that's that's just it. Happened to Steve Austin. Steve yeah. Austin was a top-tier technical wrestler. Dude, it happened to John Cena. Yeah. John Cena is actually really good, but nobody believed he was good because he did the same thing every match. But then people were like... Oh, but that match with CM Punk is one of the best matches of all time. Well, it's because of CM Punk. No, it's because of both of them. When you have an all-time great match, it's because both guys were good, not because one guy was good. That's how... Vince, Vince McMahon's style for his top baby faces. One of the best matches of all time is Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. Yeah. One of the greatest matches. I mean, hell, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. Hell, Rock versus Hogan is one of the best matches ever, and they don't do that much in it because they didn't have to because they had the crowd eating out of the palms of their hands because they were the two biggest stars in wrestling. All right. Dan and I stopped doing a wrestling podcast, and now I feel like we're doing one again. <laughs> so, I'm learning stuff, so I'm I okay. I know. You're enjoying it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do we'll do other stuff next week. Uh, nineteen ninety seven is coming up next. That's going to be the next plan here. We'll talk about ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, and then screw Y two K. We're going straight for episode one hundred. We'll be done with our tribute to the nineties. Uh, check out the Twitch streams, Twitch.tv/cKCConline. Watch me play through the Super Nintendo library. Check out Eric Sick Minds of Matt and Eric on YouTube. Eric, what's the latest episode about? Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay, sorry. My dog is going crazy. Um, honestly, the last episode, we, we just talked about bullshit. We talked about uh, a good portion of it was uh, Elden Ring, the Souls games, and uh, how uh, how upset we are about some games coming over to the States that are just not translated very well or have no voice acting. Mm. In a, in a, like, okay, so I'll give you an example. We've had voice acting in JRPG games, like good voice acting. I, I guess good could be whatever, but like Up for Final Fantasy X, right? Final Fantasy X has had voice acting in it, and that was a PS2 game from I don't remember what year. 2001. Oh, yeah, you're telling me that they like that kind of quality. You can't come up with a good voice acted game now. Like there's still games out there that are just translated poorly and shit like that, and it just and it bothers us. So we we talked about that for a little bit. I have a question for you. Sure. Do you think that the Zelda series having no voice acting is a good thing? Yes and no. Um. So like for instance, 
I don't mind it that the main character doesn't have a voice because I feel like that's part of the charm of uh, Link. Uh, but it also irritates the shit out of me when I go to uh, an important cinematic scene. And it's not that they don't play any sound because it's almost like you're playing Animal Crossing. You're like, you go you talk to somebody and you just hear... Like, bitch, put in some fucking words. <laughs> like, you could have done this. Which it's, is funny it's because not a Zelda regional game, talked. right? It's not like... But it, it's not like... Uh, I'm not talking about Zelda. I'm talking about for everybody else. Like, Zelda's talked. Um, like, there's people who have actually talked. But don't put in a, a voice marker that doesn't sound like anything. You just... You, you know how, like... Again, in... Uh, Animal Crossing, they speak, but you have to read the words, but they make those funny little noises. Like well, you Animal can Crossing. Almost, you can almost hear it, though. Like I just don't... I like Especially when they in... say my name, I'm like, yeah, I, can, I can get it. I can almost get it. Yeah, and it's going for that cutesy thing. But Breath of the Wild <clears throat> was not going for a cutesy thing. It was going for like a dramatic, expansive world. And there's not even a whole lot of people in there. I feel like everything could have been voice acted perfectly fine. Because, <laughs> like, the whole thing was, like, the world's destroyed. There's these, these creatures, so you don't need to voice act, the creature, uh, voice act the creatures. But there are some people who are still alive. And they're telling you important information. Just voice act it out. And it's not like it's a super regional game, right? So, like, oh, there's no point in voice acting because only one market enjoys it. Like, all of Nintendo properties are enjoyed everywhere around the world. So if you're saying, oh, we can't voice act it because there's not... It would take too long. I would agree that it would take a little bit of time. But don't act like you don't have the fucking money to do it. It is funny to see Nintendo of the last 15 years become the bad guys. <laughs> like, yeah. as soon as when the Wii came out and they purposely didn't make enough, and I was like, ah, I see what you're doing. And now they're doing, they've been pulling the DLC bullshit, like the bullshit DLC with the the switch <laughs> meanwhile ea is on the sidelines yo come on we did this shit before you're not gonna like what happens yeah ea is just like oh, they can't copy us we can still out heal them yeah although is that where sony got it from you know this worked for the wii let's do this for the ps5 i don't know what sony's deal is sony i feel like is like they care more about their licensing stuff than the people that they sell, like, their actual customers. Yeah. Because there's, there's no... They're the only reason I feel that there are, there is no good cross-compatibility stuff. And they're just like, oh, well, we want to monitor and make sure all of our servers are great. I'm just like, okay, this coming from the company that's had the most fucking identity uh, theft stuff happen to since, like, Y2K... <laughs> 
I don't know. There's there's certain game companies that I like, and then there's certain companies that I do not trust at all, and they've bounced back and forth. I fucking love Nintendo properties. I do not trust that company, though. You know, it's weird. Think about what we've gotten on the Switch so far. Mario Odyssey, one of the best Mario games ever made. Breath of the Wild, one of the best Zelda games ever made. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land ended up being one of, if not the best, Kirby game. They revolutionized Animal Crossing with New Horizons, and while I know some people still prefer New Leaf, everybody's pretty much agreed that with the updates, New Horizons has caught up and become one of the best. Like, their their top-tier franchises are getting these makeovers and getting these these new versions that are... I mean, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, people are saying, is one of the best Pokemon games ever made. Like, so... What's going on, Star Fox? What you doing? Star Fox is a difficult one to do. All they have to do is recapture the magic of Star Fox 64. The biggest new the biggest new Star Fox thing was that the uh the, the what the 64 thing had Star Fox 2 in it. Yeah. The game they never got. Yeah, I mean, but it's, I feel like it's hard to do those space shooters unless you wanted to take it into a completely different dimension, uh, direction, like turning it into uh, Rogue Squadron territory. But then Dude, at that I point. I am trash at the, at the, uh, in, in battle, battlefront. I am trash at the space battles. The Battlefront space battles are not good. Rogue Squadron was the best. Rogue Squadron yes. got the formula down. I'm so. so bad at it. And I'm decent to good at the regular part, but like, I but will It's be not just you. The space controls in Battlefront are not good, and I think most people agree with that. Oddly enough, I'm okay with that. I'm all, I'm also okay with Road Squadron, but like I can honestly say that both games are fucking difficult as shit to control. Once you get over the learning curve in Rogue Squadron and you get used to it, it's one of the most fun space games I've ever played. Love that game. Love that game. I don't know. They they just slowly become a company that I I do not trust. Like um I'm not. A, I've actually mentioned this in uh, uh, Sick Minds of Matt and Eric. I don't like the fact that some DLC is already locked behind in the disc. Like, it's already complete. It's not like they have part of it. It's 100% done, but you have to pay extra for it. Yet you just pay... Yeah, whenever you put in a game. code or you, download, or you buy something and the download is, like, measured in kilobytes, that shit's on the disc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and I I would understand if it was like a pre-order bonus or something like that and then you didn't do the pre-order but that's the that's the only exception. You know what I actually miss unlocking stuff in the game. That was actually something I ended up enjoying about the new WWE 2K22 game 
was they had unlockables behind one of their story modes. And I played the story mode, and I had fun with it. Where you got to play as Rey Mysterio throughout his career. And every time you beat the match and, and followed all the command prompts, you got a new unlockable. And I actually had a lot of fun with that. I wish they would do that more. Instead of, oh, just pay for this. You know what? I've always said there should be two options. Give, give us the option to pay for everything, right? So if somebody really wants to pay for it and they want a micro, you want a microtransaction, you can. But don't make it the thing, right? Make it so it's an option. So you can still get everything if you play through and complete challenges and skills and all that. Now you have a choice. Because now the people who want to buy it will buy it, and you're still going to get money from them, and the rest of the people are going to go for what they want and, and do it that way. You're still going to make money because there's always going to be those people. Yeah, I don't understand some of those people, though. For instance, I'm, I understand the, the purpose of buying in-game cosmetics to show off to your friends and whatnot. Like you're playing a multiplayer game. You're like, Oh, Hey, check out this skin that I got. It's pretty cool. But at the same token, I don't know. in who in the right mind would purchase an in game, like cosmetic thing for a single player game. Like that to me does not make sense. That should have just been an, an achievement of some sort in game. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good topic for sick minds. Yeah, we talked about that too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm giving I'm giving you little previews. There but you like, go. That's the thing. Like, if you have a a full game, a complete game, and there's different outfits, but they're all achievement based, that's pretty cool, in my opinion, because like, you know, you're unlocking stuff through playing the game which is the whole purpose of getting the game was to play the game not that was like in uh, the guardians of the galaxy game you got to do it from an outfits by finding them in the game right and i really enjoyed that game i haven't beat it yet that's still on my list of things to beat well, i'm like i feel like i'm near the end there because it got really fucking Where are you? um so i just the best way to explain this I just shot my mother for reals. How dare you? But in a dream. Okay. <laughs> Do you, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So I'm literally just after that. There's only like a few left. <laughs> you're definitely past halfway. I think you're like you're in like the last the third act is starting. All right. All righty. So <clears throat> uh, check out the YouTube channel. We already kind of plugged that earlier. And listen to all the great podcasts here on CKCC Radio. Since it's been a little bit of a while, I'll talk about some of the new stuff that's come out since the last time we brought you the Nerd Table. Uh, Jeff did a ranking tracks of Green Day Dookie. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite albums of all time. He also did a movie review of Thor Love and Thunder. 
and talked about the Loch Ness Monster on a new Real Paranormal talk. He also just released another ranking tracks in the interim. It was Avril Lavigne's Let Go. Uh, we had a new Race Nerd podcast, Louder Than the Electric Street Band. Matt talks about racing at New Hampshire, as well as the SRX racing in Missouri. And an all-new Motivational Moves popped up. This is part one of a five-part series where Adrian discusses the five W's, who, what, where, when, and why. The first one up is who. So check that out. We're approaching 20,000 downloads, so keep the momentum coming, everybody. We love you guys, and I can't wait to hit 20,000. Thank you guys for your continued support. Buy a t-shirt, support our sponsors, support the channel, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Support Eric and Dan on their individual ventures as well. And check us out on all the social medias. Any final words, gentlemen? Well, be excellent to one another. We'll see you guys next time on Another Nerd Table. This has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at ckccradio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.